Well, hello. Dude. Hey, can you see me? I, I cannot, but you know what? Um, hey, hold on, hold on. Let me my, figure this my, out. My video's not working either, dude. <laughs> I can see you, but where the hell do Ad I do this? Uh, Adam, oh, Adam's there. Adam's the good-looking one. I, I see Adam. I don't see yep. you, though. Oh, I, there's a better-looking guy. All right. What's up? What's up? What's up? Is, this, is, this, is the light too bright in the background? Um, you know, not the best. Not the best background. Right. <laughs> I'm just uh, lounging here. Perfect. Hold on. Let me. I'm literally like on the floor in this living room. Ugh. Awesome. What's up, man? How are you guys? Good, brother. Hey, you know, you live pretty, uh, pretty minimally for a rock star. <laughs> I, I am a minimal kind of person. Perfect. Necessities. <laughs> I love it. What's that in the background there? You got, is that like a... Uh, it's a little uh, Dragon Ball um, metallic, like it's like a piece of art made on like uh, recycled metal that my wife got me. Oh, cool! For, uh, for my birthday, I'm a, I'm a big uh, anime and cartoon geek. So, <laughs> I, nice. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amongst other things, we could talk about today. Course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys got your coffee ready? <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah, well, so it's just super. I know. We got a few questions, but I think honestly, you know, the way that this usually goes is we just start. It's almost like we're in a bar, kind of catching up, you know. Dude, but Derek, I gotta see you, man. This is weird. If I'm only looking at Adam, and I know, dude, I voice. can't. Well, it's, it's like you're giving. It's like you're dubbing Adam. Okay, here. <laughs> this is the. Best I'll just I've move got. my mouth when he talks. Exactly. I'll give you my. Uh, I, I was going to a corn concert. How about that? Oh wow, that, that looks like a mugshot. Like you just got <laughs> the vid, dude. The video's not working. I can't get it to work. It was flashing, and then it. Faded off. All good, all good, all good. All right, go back to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Headed to a Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Book signing. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Adam, are you still? Are you in Vermont still? Or I couldn't remember. It was Colorado. somewhere down there, no? Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Okay, okay. Yeah. My sister lives in Denver, so I got. I got to make it out there at some point. Colorado Springs, um, Broadmoor, dude. You got to go. It's a. It's a monster. It's beautiful. Yeah, I got it. it's not it's not too far from here, man. It's only like a like an hour flight or something, I think. Come on out, man. We'll uh Yeah, definitely. We'll make some chocolate and talk about anime. That'd be amazing. <laughs> we'll do some deadlifts while we're at while we're at <laughs> always, Chef, always. Just did some yesterday. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it today. Really? You still do that stuff? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I stopped. I stopped going to CrossFit because I I fucked up my um back. Oh, just trying no. to go like crazy, crazy heavy. So I took uh, like two months off, and now I'm just doing more of like like a hybrid kind of style training. So like gymnastics, uh, calisthenics, and and a little bit of uh, like uh, strength training, but like still pretty hardcore. Just oh. not trying to go heavy. I, I remember seeing some videos of you, uh, Instagram maybe, Facebook, Instagram probably. Um, crazy crazy yeah still, still 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 training hard man i like, I like that shit i like that stuff cool. well i guess uh right. should we get started here yeah i think all right can, think... can you go back to can you go back to adam though that's really weird looking at a black screen <laughs> it's a black screen still yeah i still see the limp biscuit look yeah you know okay now I see, now i see adam well you just gotta talk adam yeah <laughs> well listen uh 
Andres, man, thanks for hooking up with us. And, and uh, like Derek said, just catching up and talking shop. Uh, it's been a long time, man. I think the last time I saw you in person Singapore. was in a coffee shop in Singapore. Yeah, dude. That was literally the last time. That was like 2012. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. Like, yeah. 11, like 11. Yeah, you were you were reading the uh, Roman chocolate book. I think when oh I my walked, you you remember that? Jeez, that's a really good. Memory. <laughs> yeah, it's like an elephant, Adam, <laughs> Adam the elephant. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> coffee shop, yes, I'm always at a coffee shop. What I was reading, I I wouldn't have remembered. But I, I just remember how. Uh, I mean, I think we're all passionate in our own ways, but you you've always been so intense with with your passion and your studying and your research and even on your day off you're at a coffee shop with a chocolate book open taking notes um says a lot about your character i was just talking to to derek about how you and i go back and you were supposed to come to ireland oh my peter. god yeah remember that yeah I, st- I still talk to peter actually he's a he's a good friend it's it's so funny so yeah derek i um I was in Denmark at the time. I was uh, looking to get out of Noma because I'd had enough of the of the pain and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, I knew a buddy of mine that I'd worked with at the Ritz in Half Moon Bay was now the exec chef, and uh, it was what the Ritz in Ireland, right, in Dublin, Power outside. Story. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and I had no idea who Adam was. Um, my first encounter with Adam on the phone, I think he sounded like an ass. To be honest, I was like, who's, he, <laughs> who's this guy? Uh, Why is he so cocky? He, he's like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go work for this guy. Yeah. And then when I met him, he was like a big teddy bear. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> he's still an ass. He still sounds like an ass. So, yeah, actually, uh, they I got the job offer to basically be Adam's sous chef, and I was going to help out with the restaurants and stuff. At the time, it was a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. So I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm mean, already in Europe. I, you know, I wanted to stay in Europe, and and uh, it would be kind of cool to work with some a couple of Americans, et cetera, Gordon Ramsay, the Ritz. Like, this is perfect. So got the job offer. Um whole visa thing was supposed to be in process. I actually sent my luggage. I mean, I didn't have much at the time. So I think I, I sent over like one or two pieces of luggage from uh, Copenhagen. They arrived in Dublin. And then I think the day after they arrived, I got a call from Peter, the exec chef saying, Hey, there's been a problem with your visa. HR messed it up. <laughs> we need to start oh. the process all over. Oh, no. It could take like 30 days. So I actually ended up just hanging out in Copenhagen because at that point I had already left Noma. So I literally just hung out in Copenhagen for 30 days. And then when that came by, um, nothing had been done with HR. So I was like, holy crap. So then I, we just kind of forgot all about it. Peter sent my luggage back and, uh, oh, no. and I ended up going back to the States. That's when I landed in Chicago. And I think that's when I probably saw you for the first time in a long time, Derek, when I was yeah. at the Park Hyatt. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, went to one, I went to one of your demos, I think. So that's, yeah, so that's where it was. I remember, I remember during the demos and stuff, you'd come in and you'd have all these boatload of questions and it's like, fuck, I had have to be on my game, man. Here comes Andreas. <laughs> but um, yeah, it must have been for sure Chicago. That would have been the official end of my pastry career had you come out to Ireland, just for the record. I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was 26. Uh, no clue what I was doing. Uh, you, we didn't know each other, but you were well-traveled, Michelin background, Spain, Copenhagen. Uh, I would have died in a hotel, man. I had no, I had no idea how to do anything in a hotel. That was, it's a whole different realm. It <laughs> <laughs> is a different world. Uh, you were at, where did you land in Chicago again? Uh, so that's when I took my first hotel gig uh, at the Park Hyatt. Park Hyatt. Um, obviously, it was a very small hotel, so that's like 
I mean, if, to this day, I think if I ever had to do a hotel job, it would have to be like something super boutique. I mean, doing the volume that you do, man, I, much, much respect. That scares the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I could emotionally handle that. <laughs> it's just a different thing. It's, it's, uh, it's all the same in a weird way, but different. Uh, yeah. Did, uh, did Fred Morrow come after you? Frederick? Mm. We called him Momo. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was a Ritz guy and a St. Regis guy. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Fred. Yeah, he, he was after me. Yeah. What was the name of that restaurant? Because you guys, that was like uh, one of the best restaurants in Chicago. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, no, know me. It, it, was a, it was a cool gig because you're a hotel pastry chef. Really, like banquets were tiny. Um, you didn't have a pastry shop. Uh, and, and really, you just got to focus on the restaurant for the most part. Like, um a little terrace in the summer but like really you were like a restaurant pastry chef with a couple of amenities and an occasional like you know uh banquet for like 90 people so it was it was pretty cool it was a nice transition like coming from a restaurant so you know obviously i would have died if i had to do like a thousand room uh, hotel or anything like that so that's what i like about hotels now still is is the the variety you know you could, if you could you don't always get to choose but if you get tired of one aspect or one element you can kind of turn your focus on something else yeah. uh, granted you're in a good hotel that that supports you uh, how long were you in chicago i ended up coming back to chicago for like about for about two years uh and then i got i got a bit stir crazy because i'd never i didn't really want to go back to the states um after the whole thing with the visa fell through it was kind of like a, an emergency last second thing I had a buddy that was one of the exact Sus at the Park Hyatt, and um, he's like, hey, you know, uh, if, if you want to come back here, uh, we actually need a pastry chef and whatnot. So that kind of saved me. But uh, at the same time, I didn't really want to go back to the States. So after two years, I just got, I felt itchy, like I needed to go back to Europe and 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 just, I, I guess you never feel ready enough. Yeah. And I just wanted to, I, I think I had it in my head that if I only stuck into like a head position, I, I would have never gone back to that, like, you're always learning, but I, I still wanted to be in that like sponge mode, I think. And, uh, and that's when I went to go back to, uh, and be with uh, Ramon before, um, before it was, uh, before Barry Calibo took over Chokovic. That was fun. Cause those were the Chokovic days, you know, it was, yeah. uh, it was simpler then. <laughs> hey, so obviously I sort of met you in Chicago, um, and you have a whole life before that. And can you go back a little bit? I mean, you were, aren't you originally from Chicago? Yeah, yeah. So family is Colombian. Uh, born in Chicago. I was actually raised in Venezuela, though. So it was weird. I was born in I was born in the states, but then um, we moved to Venezuela until I was about seven. So I actually learned to speak Spanish first, and then oh, cool. I mean, it, it's kind of weird, like moving back, be, moving to the states, being American on paper technically, and then having to go to like ESL because you can't keep up with everybody else's English. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was kind of how that, that went, panned out. And, um, and yeah, from there, man, just uh, until about high school. And then uh, in high school, that's kind of where I found pastry. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did you sort of get into pastry? Yeah, really, really weird. Uh, I mean, I, like, I have no, I, I, I envy people that have all these romantic stories of, uh, oh, my grandma, you know, she used to bake with me and my mom. And I have nothing like that. Like, my mom was a really bad cook um until now which is really weird growing up she was like looking back i'm like man I, we ate the, the same three things every week you know and like my, my parents didn't have a lot of money um but my mom just wasn't a good cook looking back but now like she you know many years later um she she divorced she remarried an american guy uh, who really liked food 
And, uh, you know, then the food network happened, all that stuff. And then, I mean, if, if I go visit her now, like she makes stuff that I'm like, who, who are you? Like, where did you learn all this stuff? <laughs> like, why, why couldn't you cook like this when I was younger, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, but yeah, so it was just random. I think, I think, I, I think I like wanted to make a chocolate cake in like my sophomore year of high school to like impress a girl to give it to a chick, yeah. sorry, girl, woman. <laughs> um, and it was really bad and I didn't end up you know, even going on a date with this girl. Um, but for some reason I thought it was pretty cool to, to bake. Right. I, I, I just thought it was fun. Um, you know, I remember going to like the grocery store and, um, you know, when you go to the, you used to go to the checkout aisles, they would have like those food digest magazines and baking digest, like yep. really crap recipes that are in cups. And, but my, you know, my mom would just get one for me and be like, Oh, let's try to make this and, you know, make a disaster in the kitchen, have no idea what the hell I was doing, but I enjoyed the process somehow. Um, and, th and those kind of moments just stuck with me. And, uh, and then I started just like going to like bookstores and, and just grabbing books and like spending an hour or two, like at Barnes and Nobles. Cause you know, you could just basically freeload, hang out, look at books and put them back and leave. Right. And I remember, I think it was, uh, I think it was the book called becoming a pastry chef. It was that whole series of, uh, like becoming a chef, becoming a pastry chef. Michael. I ended up reading the, yes, 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 yes. So I think that was probably one of the best things I could have done before even getting, like even considering it for a career because they're really well, they laid out very well and very accurately and depicted what kitchen life would be like. And what, you know, they didn't paint this romantic picture of like, oh, you, you know, you make some, some cakes and some, right. some cookies and, and you're going to make a million dollars. It was really about like, this is going to suck. Um, and on top of sucking, you're going to work a lot. You're going to make a little money and you're going to have to basically, if you actually want to be anything in this, you need to go find the best people you can and just learn from them and shut up. And, and, and I think all those, for some reason that seemed exciting to me, like, oh, this is going to suck. It's going to be hard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, and I, and I, and I took all those things to heart. Like, I, I mean, I was, I was never good in school, in school. Like I hated high school. Um, the only class I ever really liked was literature. And I was really lucky that my high school had a home ec program. Um, but back to this, um, I was just, I, I, I didn't like, I, I wouldn't absorb things that didn't interest me. I don't know if I, I mean, if I, you know, if probably got diagnosed, I probably have like ADD or, or something. Um, but I just, I could never focus. Like I, I just, you know, think it was, it would be really hard for me to finish a book, um, pay attention to things, et cetera. But for some reason, like, you know, I'd read these books of how to be, you know, becoming a pastry chef or whatever. And I'd read it from front to back and I'm like, just absorbing everything. Like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Uh, so I did just that. Like I literally would start calling um, uh, hotels and restaurants on the weekends. I think I started picking up pastry uh, arts magazines, like when I was a sophomore in high school and uh, look, flipped through and a couple chefs in Chicago would pop up occasionally. I think at the time, like En Ming Su was the pastry chef at the Ritz Carlton. Uh, so I remember calling her like, like an idiot sophomore year, like uh, calling the kitchen. Hi, can I talk to En Ming Su? <laughs> and like, and like being, uh, Hey, can I come in and uh, hang out and stage? And, uh, she was actually very nice. She talked to me and she's like, Hey, sorry, it's a hotel, all these legalities, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she's, you know, she told me, she's like, you might want to try a restaurant. So I, act, and I ended up trying to like stage around a couple of restaurants. So I had some really bad experiences, you know, when you're a sophomore, uh, in high school, like you're very immature and, you know, going to spend a weekend in, in some crap kitchen, like working for the whole entire day and, and having to peel potatoes when you think you're going to be making some creme brulee, um, kind of kills the whole romantic idea of what you think it's going to be. Um, but then I think what, what, uh, what saved me was, um, do you guys know who Della Gasset is? No. Uh, she, she's, I think she, now she's the corporate chef for pastry chef for Spago. 
For Spargo, uh, yes, I do. I do know her. I didn't know her last name. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, lo- lovely, lovely lady. I mean, she was Charlie Trotter's pastry chef for a yes, long time. Yes, she was yes, in. Yes, uh, she was pa- Paul Liebrand's pastry chef, I think, in Atlas in New York in the early days. Super talented pastry chef. Yeah. So awesome. at the time, she was at Trio. Uh, that was like before Grant Ackett took over Trio. I forgot who was uh, the chef there. Uh, so I got a, a weekend stage there, uh, and it was cool because it was a suburb that wasn't too far from where I lived. Um, and my mom worked in Evanston. That's where the trio was. So she, you know, she dropped me off in the morning and, uh, it was, a, it was like the first magical, like aha day moment in, in my pastry life. Like really cool. I mean, tiny kitchen, but it was just nicely set up, organized. She was nice. I was like, holy crap, you're nice. And you're teaching me stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it, I wasn't doing anything crazy. It was like, you know, I, I learned how to peel a pineapple, I think, you know, and I, I think I cut some pate fruit and, um, I got to watch service and, and do stupid little jobs, but like just seeing the the things that they were doing, like, you know, I got to see ice cream being done for the first time and patafuis being made and, you know, pineapples roasted in the oven. I'm like, holy crap, this is cool. And that was, uh, that was like, well, you know, kind of made me realize, okay, there are, there are some cool places. You just got to find them. And uh, there are really great people to work with and learn from. Yeah. Um, and that that I think if it wasn't for her, I probably would have ended up doing something else or I don't know who knows what I would have done. So I, I uh, to this day, I'm very grateful. Like, I don't even know her well. I think I've met her once or twice uh, outside of that, you know, maybe one hello on Instagram or whatever. But uh, she has no idea how she impacted me. So that was pretty oh, cool. Well, hey, if she's listening, uh, she now knows, man. Big shout yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's awesome. I've, I've seen her with um, with the Spago group and stuff. Um, well, it's been a while now, but a couple of years ago. Yeah, she's still awesome. Mm. She's great. Yeah, super talented. I always liked her stuff because she was very um, flavor forward, which is like yep. what I I mean, I'm super, uh, you know, no gimmicks, uh, like forget gimmicks, forget techniques, like flavor, seasoning, contrast. That That's first and foremost. And I always really appreciated that and her stuff. Awesome. Oh, yeah. You went to you, your formal training is French pastry school, right? Yeah. So actually, um, after Della, I, um, so it was really funny because at the time I had no idea, uh, what the French pastry school was, who, who Jackie and Sebastian were. Um, how did it happen? Oh yeah. I ended up calling Frontera Grill. That was one of my next phone calls uh, to Bulabampo and Frontera Grill in Chicago. And, uh, Hey, can I come in like this? I, I think it was cause I saw at the time it was Laura Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, right? So it was uh, Jackie Pfeiffer's ex-wife at the time. I had no idea who Jackie was. So I saw Laura in a pastry arts magazine. So I'm like, okay, let's call her, call her in the kitchen and ask for her. Why not? You know? And, uh, she was super nice. She's like, yeah, come in. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and again, um, another really super nice pastry chef that was willing to show some 16 year old kids some stuff and let them hang out in the kitchen. And that became a thing for the next two years. So every, for the next two years, while I was in high school, uh, every Saturday I would go work at Frontera Grill in Topolo Bampo, like the whole entire day. And then uh, at night, I would either take the train back to the suburbs or my mom would pick me up. Uh, and like, she was super supportive of it. Um, I, I don't think she had any idea what the hell I was doing. Like, why do you want to go work for free in a restaurant <laughs> in the city? Um, but I was cool. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, and then that's how she's like, oh, yeah, my husband has a pastry school. They're just opening up. I'm like, okay, cool. It's here in Chicago. Again, I had no idea who Jackie was. Right. And uh, so I went to go. I think I, I actually skipped school. I think it was my senior year of high school. I cut class to go take a, a petty four class at the French pastry school in Chicago. Wow. Uh, and I, you know, I think I put some money aside. I think at the time it was probably like 800 bucks, 700 bucks. 
Um, so I cut class, uh, saved some money, went to go take the class. Uh, and they actually, it was really cool. They actually ended up giving me the class for free, uh, Jackie and Sebastian. Um, and they, they were like, Hey, you know, we think you should come here for school after you go to, after you graduate from high school and stuff. So that was, uh, that was really cool to like all these little events that you don't, you don't realize at the time how fortunate you are or how random and lucky you were. Um, especially like, you know, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that I wasn't going to go to university. Uh, parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, didn't know how the hell I would go to college and afford it. And I wasn't that smart that I was going to get a scholarship. And, you know, I like doing sports, but all I was doing was really like MMA. I was like doing Muay Thai and BJJ a lot at that time. Um, I'm like, Oh, there's no scholarships for that. So what the hell am I going to do? There might be now, you know, isn't yeah, it- might, might, might be now, dude. Yeah. Right. You, you know, you were talking about Jackie and uh, Sebastian. Isn't it crazy how much influence they had on the American pastry scene? Yeah. I mean, incredible. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, if it wasn't for them, I don't think the pastry would have taken off in the U.S. like it did. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean amazingly yeah, gentlemen and just the nicest guys and uh, yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. They were, I think really the first ones to, to bring a little glimpse of what was going on in Europe and yep. um, yep. T- technology wise speaking too, like Sebastian was just a machine. Like, I mean, I, I think he was probably the first person to even talk about ice cream technology in the U S and I was very fortunate that like I was, I was 18 and I was learning that stuff, you know, and, and to be influenced like that early on by someone that has such a food science forward approach to things. And like, it's, it's great because that becomes your reference point, you know, rather than like working in some kitchens. And then later on you come across, uh, Oh, this, you know, overrun this and, and hydrocolloids this and, you know, why do you do this? Uh, I, that was kind of like my foundation, which, uh, was a really, really, uh, special, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of interesting on, on my side, one of the reasons I came to, from Canada down to the U S was kind of because of them also, you know, I seen, I was in the competition and stuff in Canada. Um, and I seen what was going on in the U S as far as the Coupe de Mont, you know, Donald Russell, uh, obviously Sebastian, Jackie, and, and it's one of the reasons I came down to the U S actually. So, oh, wow. Crazy. Uh, you know, what's funny. I, I think you were on, um, I remember watching, there was some special on, on TV on uh, that we you know they were like a little documentary where they'd follow around the Coupe de Mont team. Yeah. And I remember watching that one where you were on the team. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy seems pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he speaks a little bit different than everyone here, but he's kind of cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Did he have the long hair back then, or was it back then? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. He, uh, he was fresh out uh, off the boat from Canada, so he still had a little bit more of that like, yeah, yeah, don't you know kind of thing, you know. Good day. Good day. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A little later. No, but it just, it just, you know, those guys are so awesome and um, so much influence on on the U.S. pastry scene for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I was, I remember. Uh, it was, you know, it's crazy. Like when you look back, like I when I was at school there, they were the only two people teaching. And now, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know, throughout the years, they have instructors and whatnot. So that, I, you know, I always look back at that as being a really special time. Like taking plate of dessert class and like literally Sebastian's just showing you how he would do service and how he canals and how perfect and immaculate he was. And, um, I, those little things just stuck with me. Like, you know, your towel is constantly always folded in a little square. Everything's lined up perfectly. Like you're very militant. And I, it was, I'm so fortunate that, that I had that first experience with somebody like, and then I think it, it was a combination of that and my mom who was always like super strict with us at home. Like, you know, you, you start your day, you get out of bed and you, you, you fold your, you make your bed, you fold your bed when you're at the dinner table, like 
you you know your elbows are on the table your 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 napkin is folded uh, properly and, and in a perfect little shape and as stupid and silly as those things are they carried over very well to to pastry you know yeah that's awesome that's awesome those those guys so i've I do recruiting for the hotel um, and I travel to the culinary schools and go to the job fairs. And when I go to the French pastry school or when I did go to the French pastry school a couple of years ago, uh, you know, they're coming up to the table, the Broadmoor table saying, chef, thank you for coming out. Thank you for your support. Then I'm like, Jesus Christ, you have no idea how much influence you've had on, on me, on the industry, everything you're talking about. Uh, And I would get nervous. Like here I am sort of, halfway physically grown man, still mentally uh, a child. (laughs) And, you know, Jackie and Sebastian are coming up to the table to shake my hand and I'm like nervous and I can't speak because they're, they're sort of rock stars in my eyes. But uh, how how fortunate you were to go to that school so early on in their program. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and I, and I don't, I don't think I realized that at the time I was just too young. I didn't, I didn't grasp the scope of like how special it was until, until you start working in places and, and uh, it was good and bad because you, you get kind of tainted that being your first experience. So like you're, you're fresh out of school and you're like, you know, you're going to your, your first job at the Ritz or whatever. And you're like, okay, guys, we're just a stabilizer and emulsifier for the ice cream. And they're looking at you like, who the hell are you? And why the hell do you do that? And blah, blah, blah. And then you feel like an idiot. You're like, okay, I'll just shut up. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Um, so where'd you go after that then? So did French pastries... Um, so actually, I so I wanted to do um, a little bit of bread. So I ended up going to New York, um, and I at the time they uh, at the French Culinary Institute there they had a uh, like a short um, bread program. Yeah, uh, I think it was like six weeks long. So I would saved some money during that, my time, because uh, I was actually working full time while I was going to pastry school, which sucked. Um, it was great because it gave me a really good idea of what life was going to be like. But man, it sucked. I was. I don't, basically my only day free was Sunday. And I, I you know, when, when you're 17, that that's, that's rough. You know, you cut, you, you go from being in high school hanging out with your friends. And at that point I'd basically lost like all contact with all my friends, like from high school, except for like one or two, uh, obviously lost a girlfriend. Uh, everyone was going to, to college university and, and you're basically like my, so my day would be, cause my mom lived out in the suburbs. I would take the the train into the city. It, would, it was about an hour commute. So I'd have to be at school by six 30. I'd left to leave. I basically have to be up at like 4.15 every morning. Uh, so I'd go to school till about 12, 12.30, I think we got out. Uh, I would eat something on, on, on the walk to Frontera, like on the train basically. And then I'd start work at like one o'clock and I'd work until uh, they'd let me get out, leave by like maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock. I didn't have to stay all the way to the end, but still it's a long freaking day when you're 17 yeah. and, and trying to study. And, and uh, yeah, it was rough. Like some days I remember just being a zombie, like sleeping till noon and not knowing what the hell was going on. And then all of a sudden it day's over and, it's Monday again, you know. Nice. Did you ever yeah, get yeah, to yeah, work so. with, Did you ever get to work uh, work with Rick much, Rick Davis? Uh, he was, you know, a lot of respect to him. He was obviously he's not like physically making stuff in the kitchen at that point. He already had his little empire. Right. Um, but he was always in there. Um, every service, just like checking up on things, tasting things. Um like quality control, but like to the extreme. And I, I had a lot of respect for that. It was super cool to see that, you know, like he really didn't need to do all that. He had his, like, I think he had like five sous chefs at the time, one chef, head chef in each of the two restaurants, you know, his pastry chef was great. Um, and I remember every day going, he, you know, he'd be like just scouring the line, tasting, observing, but super nice guy, very intense though, very passionate, uh, very willing to always teach people about like anything about uh, Mexican food, Mexican uh, culture, et cetera. 
So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of him. I think he's awesome. But oh man, the food is so good. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's been it's been years since I ate there, but uh, oh, I remember I, the smells. Those smells of yep. like I remember uh, on Saturdays uh, when I was working there full time. Uh, it was super cool because our, our our treat was because uh, they didn't have lunch service on Saturday. Uh, do you guys know what chilaquiles are? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's probably like one of my favorite uh, Mexican um, dishes. It's very, it's like, it's a homey dish, you know, Mexico, yeah. you eat that at home. Yep. Uh, and I remember like uh, Laura, my bishop at the time, she'd always, on Saturday, it was like a treat. She'd always let me order something for, from the menu for like my staff meal on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so like every Saturday, I just had a big ass plate of chilaquiles with a fried egg. And I was like, what I look forward to every week. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, chilaquiles. Uh, I grew up eating chilaquiles. Um, my the neighborhood I grew up in is literally like 15 minutes from the the Tijuana border in, oh, wow. in San Diego. So uh, all my neighbors were Mexican, and you know, on the weekends cooking chilaquiles. Different, you know, slightly different versions. Like, oh, we yeah. we fry the tortillas this way, and you know, or we put the salsa on at the end, or whatever. Uh, but definitely a very a very uh, important dish in my childhood. You went from from Chicago. Uh, what was your what was your first serious pastry chef job? Whether it was like a sous chef or, but what was your first like? Okay, this is uh, high end pastry. I'm cooking for a living. This is career. Uh, it was Noma actually, which was good and bad. I wasn't ready for that at all. Um, so the way it worked, I uh, my roommate. And when I was at El Bulli, my roommate, um, his name is Christian, uh, Christian Puglesi. Hold on a second. I'll actually show you his book. Sorry. <laughs> He's actually quite well known now. So this is uh, Christian's book. He's the owner of Relay. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah. Yeah. So at the time, he was my, my roommate. And we became very close, obviously, because I basically just hung out with the guy the whole time. And on our days off, we'd go like running together on the beach, et cetera. Uh, and I remember it was really funny because, you, you know, he'd come from Copenhagen. He's, he's a Sicilian uh, by heritage, but he was born and raised in, uh, in Copenhagen. And he'd be telling us about this place, Noma, Noma. And everyone would just laugh because the, the thing at the time, it was all about Spanish cuisine when I was there, you know. And uh, we would all be like, what the hell are you talking about? What's this Noma crap? Just shut up, you know, like, let's do, we're here, El Bui, blah, blah. So, you know, we finished the season, et cetera. I stayed in touch with him. Um, and I ended up going back home. Um, I didn't like, I think right after El Bui, I was kind of like, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, I ended up um, hanging out for a couple of months with Dimitri when he had his pastry shop at Vinny. Um, Dimitri is like one of my closest friends. So it was always like a stopover point for me when I, when like I needed an in-between or needed some cash to like go on the next trip, uh, next grand stage abroad. Uh, <laughs> Dimitri's like, yeah, I need help. Just come. So uh, I think in, a t in total, I probably worked for Dimitri for three years, just on and off. Cause it was always like my landing spot. Nice. And he was always very nice to just be like, yeah, I need the help come, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was cool. So I, I was working there and then, um, Christian, my, uh, my buddy from Noma sent me a message or we called, he called me one day and he's like, Hey, we need a pastry chef. Uh, the guy that's here now is leaving. He had taken a sous chef position at Noma after LBE. Uh, he sent me their book, their first book at the time, which I think now you can't even get. And I'm like, oh, the food looks really different. It's really pretty. It's you know, Nordic cuisine. What the hell is that? Uh, and I just, I was up for the adventure. You know, it's kind of like uh, how I roll a bit. Uh, very kind of spontaneous for the moment. I wanted to travel. I was like, sure, why not? Another country. Let's go. <laughs> Holy crap. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. No idea. 
Um, cause that was just when Nomo was starting to blow up. Like, uh, he had just gotten the, the second star while I was there. Um, he had made the top 50. Oh. Uh, it was a lot. I had never felt pressure like that in my life. I've never cried so much like at night. Uh, it was rough, man. And, and, and that, when we started there, like you, you were, you know, you had like three stagiaires. Uh, now I think you have like a hundred stagiaires at Noma. Wow. So it was, it was an intense, tense time. Renee is, uh, I mean, I have so much respect for Rene Redzepi, uh, what he's accomplished there, what he's done for the food world. Um, but at the time it was hard. He was intense, man. Like, you know, he was always on top of everything, every second, uh, you know, you were lucky if you had time, like a minute to just go pee and, and have a moment of silence, you know, uh, it, it was, it was rough. It was rough, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it was cool. I don't, I, I think it was one of those experiences where like at the time, you you don't appreciate it because you're just so in the shits all the time and like you're just every every moment sucks and you're just like oh crap what's gonna happen next that's how i lived every day there like you're absorbing everything and you're doing you're getting to do beautiful food and, and with amazing ingredients and, and learning so much but at the same time you're in this constant state of fear like oh crap what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next what am i gonna fuck up uh <laughs> it was just a lot of pressure man like it was one of the unhealthiest times of my life i think oh. <laughs> How long were you? Um, I was there for uh, about two years. Two years. About two years. And then I think I cracked. Uh, and that's that was right before uh, going back to Chicago and taking the, the Park Hyatt thing. That's right. Yeah. But it was, one of, it was one of those things where, like, you don't realize what you learn or get out of it until, like, years later when right. you're, like, you know, you're doing things or mimicking things and you're, like, holy crap, this is how Renee would do that or this is what Renee would yell me, at me about and stuff. Nice. So, now, you, you, you were with Ramon before that in Spain? Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, it was so it went. I, I did things like totally messed up in chronological order. Like it made no <laughs> sense, probably it, versus many pastry chefs. Like you know, I took uh, I took I took Noma, I took Nomi, and then I still felt like I wanted to learn more, so I took a step back and ended up going back uh, to Spain, but working this time with Ramon uh, um, as just like a, a comi there at the academy. And again, it wasn't even it was Chocovic days, so uh, yeah. um, it was before any any of the big. Uh, the, the before Barry, Barry Calibo came in and all that stuff. So it was, it was fun. It was a really cool time. It was, um, myself, one other stagiaire. Uh, it was the three chefs at the time, um, Josep, Ramon, and, and at the time, um, holy crap, what was his name? One other guy, Ruben, Ruben Alvarez. Uh, and there was, there were only Chokovic. So it was super cool. Cause you know, you, every week you'd be working with one of, one of them and they were all very different. And, and we were traveling, doing a lot of demos. So that was my first taste of like, getting to help out with demos and traveling. And I remember going to, to Madrid with Ramon and going to Greece with uh, Ruben and going to Portugal with uh, Giuseppe. And it was crazy. We would like, you know, we'd prep everything, like blast freeze our entremets and pack them in those styrofoam uh, or those, uh, the Porex boxes. And like, they'd arrive in Portugal on a flight, like completely frozen. I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. Um, and, and just doing really, you know, like being in some super ghetto kitchens in little towns in Spain doing demos. Uh, but it was such a, it was, you know, after Noma, that was probably like the, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. It was, it was fun. I loved every second of it, but I, that's where I really kind of think I became a very technical uh, pastry chef. Um, because like when you, when you're just listening to Ramon talk, um, you just, you just, you, you kind of, he's kind of like Harry Potter. You, you forget it. It's like he waves his wand around, you know, and you just forget where the hell you are and you're enchanted and you're just listening and you're learning why, you know, why this happens, why this works, what, how do you fix this? all the intricacies of uh, a very food science forward kind of uh, pastry approach. 
And I think that was probably one of the most beautiful moments of my uh, history with life. Just those, that time there. And you said you, that's where you got introduced to demos and, and teaching. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. First time I like, you know, learned how to, I mean, you know, you spend a lot of time scaling and like, okay, scaling and then prepping stuff and, and, you know, being disciplined, the little guy in the back, you know, just with his hands folded, waiting for, what do you need chef? Da, da, da. Um, but that was cool. That, that obviously, because I ended up obviously, you know, becoming a, uh, like a technical chef for a chocolate company and, and doing demos for puree companies. So that all kind of helped, helped me kind of helped groom me a lot for all that stuff. Like, you know, how organized you needed to be. And, um, you know, you need, you're like, you're on show, you know, you're on, you're on, uh, you're in, a, in an audience of whatever, uh, you guys know, you know, 20 people, 50 people, hundred people. And you're, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the star for that hour, three hours, five hours, whatever. And you need to be on point. How many classes or demos do you think you've taught since, you've become Andres Lara of the country world. Dude, I don't know. No idea now. At this point, a lot. Awesome. Not as much as Derek, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no way. But I love, um, I, I just, it's crazy, man. You've kind of blown up. You're like all over the place. I love, um, what are those episodes you did? Uh, STP, I think. Those are awesome. Yeah, well, and you know, I wanted to do more, but I don't know. So I just, I, a lot of, I lost a little bit of the motivation and it was like, we needed somebody to, to like edit it and film it. And, gotcha. and I don't know. And then we got busy with classes and I need to bring it back. It was fun. I like that it, stuff. And it was, people are, I, that, love, I love shit like that for sure. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, just look at messages like, hey, when are you bringing the STPs back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need that that type of content on that you know the platforms you you almost need like a technical assistant right next to you to help you with all that editing and yeah, all the computer yeah. uh, look at us we can't even get all three of our faces on the screen it's I know, right? <laughs> more difficult than it sounds but um, <laughs> um fuck you've been you've been all over the place uh do you want to talk a little bit about the book now or should we talk oh dude yeah yeah okay yeah. so um I mean, this, how it all started this is so cool. uh Vinette, vinesh johnny uh now one of my closest dearest friends uh in the world uh so vinesh he's uh, obviously one of the co-founders of uh, Lavon, which is a really beautiful pastry school in bangalore uh-huh. he i was in tokyo at the time at the chocolate academy um he messaged me i think we followed each other on instagram but like we didn't know who we, we each other were um, and he was going to be in Tokyo for holiday with his um, girlfriend, now wife, and I think his brothers. And he's like, hey, could I come get a tour and, and you know, just visit see the place and whatever? He's like, yeah, sure. And I didn't know who he was. Um, and, and I didn't even really look what he was doing. So at the time, I didn't really realize that he had a pastry school. Uh, so he came, met him, super nice guy. But like, you know, that was it. He left. And then uh, he ended up messaging me maybe a couple of weeks later saying, hey, do you want to come to Bangalore to to teach a class uh and i was like sure i've always wanted to go to india and and, and why not you know and i had some free time uh, some holiday time that i could use for some side gigs so i was like yeah let's do it uh and he's like hey why don't you stay a couple extra days after your class um and uh, i went no i'll show you around I'm like perfect so went to bangalore um had a um, i had no idea what to expect going to india all i knew before going to india was that i liked indian food that was it <laughs> so uh, not, I, I kind of was expecting the worst, to be honest, in terms of the school and what the facility was going to be and, and whatnot. And when I went there, I was just enamored and, and blown away, like a uh, really beautiful facility, which is it was actually the old school. So now the school is even more beautiful. Oh. Um, the team he had was just like they were all rock stars. Like 
I mean, better than, than almost better than like doing demos in Taiwan or Japan, Derek, you know, when you go to those places, like yeah. everything's just like pristine yeah. and organized and you don't have to do anything because everything's ready, like blah, blah, blah. And it was crazy. We had this army of people, uh, everyone willing to just do whatever, help out, whatever you needed. Everyone was super nice. They were, there wasn't that, for some reason, there wasn't that stress that you have when you go to other countries doing the demos. And, and, I, and I just didn't worry. Like every second that I was there, I'm like, yeah, I need two days to prep, blah, blah, blah. I honestly probably, I probably could have had like half a day because they were so organized. Um, and it ended up being super cool because at the time, obviously, I was, I was in Cross, I was doing CrossFit a lot. And Vinesh has started doing CrossFit. So he would pick me up from my hotel in the morning on, on his scooter. He'd take me to a CrossFit box. We'd go train, go back to the hotel, shower, and then I'd go to the school and, and start prepping for the day or do my class or demo or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so we had an awesome week. We, it, was like, it was like going to hang out with a friend, basically. And so when that was done, he booked a trip to Goa for me and his brother. Um, and like, no one had ever done that for me. Like when I'd gone on demo, like, Hey, stay. And like, I'll take you somewhere. I'm like, Holy crap, this is different. This is cool. I get to hang out and do stuff and see something, you know, other than a kitchen in a hotel. So we went to Goa. I took a little charter plane, hung out on the beach for three days. Vinesh and I, there was a, it was really funny. We ended up renting scooters and the plan was to like, um, drive around Goa, like for an entire day. Well, 10 minutes into it, we drive by and we see a, a sign for a, an international tattoo convention uh-huh. in Goa, uh, the yearly tattoo convention. We're like, oh, let's just pop in and look, right? Well, guess what? We ended up spending our day there and we both ended up getting tattoos together. So that was <laughs> like, we, so we ended up becoming bonding and becoming very close in a very short amount of time between pastry, CrossFit, getting our tattoo together. Uh, that was it was really really cool and uh from that moment on we just became super close and i ended up going back every year so it was like uh i've been there four times and we'd always talk about crazy doing crazy things together like hey let's open up a shop or whatever you know in bangalore and then you come out like a couple times a year etc just stupid things um like you know just dreaming but you know it's just ideas that never came to fruition and before my my last time there probably like two months before that we started talking about like a book randomly like yeah i'd like to do a book yeah you know i'd like to do a book also and he's like hey why don't you just stay an extra week and we'll do a book just very casually like that i was like yeah okay okay cool why not (laughs) just like super freestyle which is very much like kind of my personality um how you roll and that's how i roll um and so like i had a bunch of ideas and recipes ready and i think i'm you know it was a really long flight uh, to Bangalore at the time I was in, where the hell was I? I think I was in Toronto, uh, still working for Barry Calibo. So it was a long flight. So I just started putting together like recipes, ideas, a layout. He's like, yeah, you know, we'll each come up with like 30 recipes, blah, blah. It's like, oh, this can't be that hard. Um, if it was not for the support of the team and how he organized it. So I taught, again, I taught a class, I taught a demo for the students and then I stayed seven days. We, he basically reserved a whole entire kitchen for us, um, in the school a small kitchen. He called ex students from Levon to come, like they paid for them to fly out. And obviously they were working for free, but they got room and board for the seven days. So we had a brigade of about, I want to say eight former students and probably two of the sous chefs from the school helping us do this. Like, otherwise we literally shot the whole entire book in seven days. Had we not had that support, there's no way we would have been able to do that. Like scaling uh, one, one of the chefs at the time, one of his head chefs, she was literally documenting every change, everything we did, every description of how we did that recipe. Another guy was organizing whatever we needed. We had the photographers, we had a a designer, like India is amazing. Like any, it's chaos, but it's like, it's controlled. Like anything you want to get done can get done there. 
there's always somebody that, that can do something you need. Yeah. And that's how that week was. Like, uh, it, it, I mean, it, now looking back, I'm like, holy crap, we shot a book in seven days. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. I hear nothing anyway, but good things. I'd love to go one day. Um, oh, he's, he's awesome. The team's awesome. The school's awesome. I love Bangalore. Uh, I love the food and, and Indian food is so complex. It's just like Mexico and, you know, uh, every region is so different. So what people think, you know, in Europe or in the U S what Indian food is or Mexican food is, it's like, no, man. I mean, if you're in the South, it's like this, if you're yeah. in the North, it's like yeah. this, it's, uh, it, it's so, so, so different. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, that was fun. That was, it was a really cool time. Did you guys have the concept before like, uh, new school suites? Was that sort of the concept or did it just sort of happen? Yes and no. Uh, we wanted to, so first and foremost, like obviously I'd spent about nine years living in Southeast Asia. He's from India, obviously South Asia. So we wanted that to be a big influence in, in everything we did. Not necessarily that we were trying to do Indian desserts or, or, or Southeast Asian desserts, but using kind of like the style of what our pastry was. So obviously heavily European influence with a lot of mother, modern touches, etc. But I've always been, I like very yummy stuff. Uh, I guess the French use the word like gourmandise. Um, I kind of gotten a lot away from like things that are like, I guess, entremets and, and uh, an obscene amount of garnishes on things. Like I just really like tasty stuff. Like you give me a good travel cake, you give me a good cookie, you give me some awesome ice cream. Um, that's the kind of stuff I, want, I like. And so that was kind of like what we wanted to focus on with the book was let's just make really yummy stuff. Not necessarily a book only for pastry chefs. Like a book that if pastry chefs pick up a recipe, like they're going to be very happy with it, you know, like the, the vegan lemon uh, yogurt pound cake or, or the shoes or whatever, but also just a book for people who just love pastry and food and that this can make this stuff at home. That's what we wanted. And just really delicious recipes. Like we have a, uh, one of my favorites from the book is um, this tahini uh, banana pound cake. It's, it's gluten-free it's, it's, it's plant-based, but it's like one of the most delicious pound cakes you'll ever taste in your life. You know? So just stuff like that, that, if you make it at home, it's just going to be delicious with a cup of coffee. But if you actually put it in a pastry shop, like I'm sure people will buy it, you know? So that was kind of the idea. And there is a lot of influence on, um, you know, like I do, um, I did a post a few days ago. It was a tart. It was supposed to resemble like a little gulab jamun in the center, which is like one of my favorite Indian confections. So it was kind of a take on that. Uh, but instead of it, the dough being a gulab jamun, it was actually a baba, but then we flavored it the way a gulab jamun would be made, etc. And it was like a, an Indian style rice pudding inside. So kind of that, um, that like uh, hybrid of uh, of uh, cultures and and your pastry influences. I fucking love gulab jamun, man. When I was when I was oh old, man, or we used to eat it in the in the hawker centers. It's, anytime I saw it, I'd stop, even if I was full or didn't, yeah, I'd grab it. Um, you know, they, and it's crazy. It's crazy sweet, but like if you have a little like an espresso, I, I could easily suck down like two or three of those things. <laughs> yeah, there's this sort of like <clears throat> stereotype that Indian desserts are overly sweet, but in a way they are, but in a way they aren't. Like you just said, if you have it in yeah. the right setting and you, you don't uh, eat 15 of them. Uh, exactly. There's a lot of history in their desserts, which I really like. Going back to your and book. And they're so uh, different. Yeah. The, it, was there a conscious effort in vegan and gluten-free and no. it just sort of a natural organic thing? Yeah, it was a, yeah, a very natural thing. It just happened that a couple of the things we were working on or things that I had had and that had been working on happened to be vegan or gluten-free. Um, but it, it hasn't been until probably the last year or so where I really got into that um, kind of post-pandemic. We you know, started uh, at the school here in Vegas with Melissa doing all the classes online um, and just kind of focusing on what people want to learn rather than like only doing what you want to teach. 
uh, that's kind of become something I've become obsessed with. Um, and it's funny, like maybe you go back a year or two ago and you asked me to do something vegan. I think like a lot of pastry chefs, I would, my ego would have gotten in the way. I would have been like, no, screw that. Like that's, that's stupid. <laughs> that's silly. Um, but then I, I kind of, I, I, I switched my mindset a little bit and I was like, okay, you know what? I have no reference point for what vegan pastry is. Anything I've ever tasted has been really disgusting. Um, I've never, you know, I'm, I would have never bought a vegan book or gone to a vegan cafe, et cetera. But I kind of, I made a challenge to myself and I wanted to make a game out of it. So I was like, okay, look, look you have a decent food science uh, understanding. You, you kind of know what to do with ingredients and how to change formulas around. Just challenge yourself and approach doing a plant-based recipe like, like that. Like, don't think about it as, oh, it's vegan, blah, blah. Think about it as you, you need to be Mr. Wizard, you know? So it's like, okay, we take out. And that's how, I, that's when I teach now. It's like, okay, when, when, when you take something out, because, you know, Derek, you know, when you get do a demo, Everyone always asks, oh, could I do this? Could I change this? And I I like to be a little bit of devil's advocate and not give the easy answer when I do a demo or class. And I'm like, well, it depends. Always think about, A, what you're trying to achieve, what's the end result, why you're doing it, and what happens if if you remove this ingredient, what are you losing? If you put in this ingredient, what are you gaining? And then how do you, how do you make it happen? Like if you take an egg out, what are you losing? You're losing protein, you're losing water. Um, are you, you know, if you remove, uh, this and that, are you, you know, you might be losing solids. So how do you make those solids up? How do you make this protein up? How do you achieve this kind of overrun without blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of how I started to approach all this stuff. Like just geek out and like, okay, let's, let's just make tasty stuff that's vegan. But if I gave it to anybody, like it started with the, like the lemon vegan pound cake, like I want to make a pound cake that's delicious, not just for a vegan, but it's delicious. So that's kind of the goal, like make a a vegan product, give it to somebody who has no idea that it's vegan. And if they say it's good, then you've succeeded in doing something, a good job, you know? So it kind of, it kind of became like a mission to come up with tasty stuff that was whatever, keto, gluten-free, vegan, et cetera. (laughs) I love how you adapt and you attack everything that you do, man. It's awesome. I don't know if I attack it, but I try. (laughs) Where can, uh, where can folks find this book uh, that you and your friend just put out? Um, Amazon now. I had a couple copies at the school, but I think I pretty much got rid of all of them. I think I might have two or three left. Um, so, yeah, Amazon. Um, for in North America, at least, it's probably the best spot to find it unless it's in a couple like indie uh, bookshops and whatnot. Well, uh, Untempered will definitely buy a couple. You know what we would love? If you could, um, we'll buy one off here. And if you could sign one that we can give away to, to the to our one or two listeners would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, man, that'd be cool. I think I, I think I have like three copies left at the school. So if you want, I'll, I'll put those right. aside. Yeah, if you could sign, that'd be great. Yeah, man, that'd be that'd be super. But we, than- I, we didn't really we didn't really know what to expect with the book. Um, and it's so far the feedback's been really nice. And it's cool to see people like, uh, att- you know, right away att- attempting to make stuff. And that was kind of the aim. You know, we didn't want to make a super fancy book um, that like I have a lot of beautiful pastry books, but like, I can't even tell you the last time I opened up half of them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I like, for me, there, I have a couple of books that I'm constantly referring to. And, and I kind of wanted it to be like that. It's, it's not like a super technical book, book by any means, but it's a book where you could go, go back and, and just make tasty stuff, you know? Yeah. It's um, the front, even the front cover, man, sets the scene, you know, with the tarts and that old beat up pan and stuff. And it's just, yeah. it looks awesome. Yeah, your your photography and, and yeah. designing of that book just at first glance is is everything you're talking about. Uh, and I, I I love hearing you talk right now about yummy, approachable. Uh, it's something that oftentimes just unfortunately gets lost. Uh, I think at some point we all got into that <clears throat> super technical 
uh, unapproachable way of thinking and everything had to be uh, beyond innovation. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah. love hearing you talk about, yeah. you know, I want to make yummy cakes and cookies. <laughs> That's yeah. what got this business in the first, in the first go is, is making people happy with delicious food. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Adam and I talk about this all the time. You know, we go, we kind of laugh and dude, we're just making cake, you know? Yeah. I, you know, uh, pastry lately, like the last couple of years, especially with social media, it's become kind of a love hate thing. And to be honest, at one point I was kind of hating pastry, like very much not, you know, even doubting whether I wanted to do this for, for the rest of my life and whatnot. And, you know, so social media, um, it's, it's weird how pastries change. Like we're like our time, the three of us, we would, you know, you work for, for, for knowledge, for learning, for getting things passed down to you. Yeah. Now everything is so instant. Like everyone just wants yeah. instant gratification. Nobody wants the, I think the days of going to stage and learning and, 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 and I think that's over. I, I um, yeah. maybe a few places here and there, but I don't think it's going to be like that moving forward. I think uh, the next gen of um, pastry shops are going to be very different in terms of their personality, their ethic, not bad, but just different. And I think well, the ones that are pastry chefs now and have to groom them, are going to have to switch their, their, their chip, their mentality a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for a long time, I just got really like kind of like just kind of discouraged from, from like social media. You know, it's a lot of times you see everything is just about like, Oh, how shiny this is or glaze this and all these inedible, just inedible crap that, you know, it doesn't taste good, yeah. um, but that's what gets likes and whatnot. And at one point I'm just like, you know what? I don't care. Like uh, freak, who gives a sh shit if you have this many followers and whatnot. Like now when I, do stuff with like classes and demos. I I think about in a way, even though it's for pastry chefs, I think about I don't care about impressing pastry chefs. Does that make sense? I think about you know what I need to develop recipes that if you put in your pastry shop tomorrow, the people that are going to support your pastry shop and fill it and and make you money are normal people day to day, and they could give a shit about what technique you did, what cocoa butter you're using, uh, what whatever, all that crap. They just want. Visually, it looks it needs to look yummy. It needs to be worth the price, and they want and you need, you need them to come back. Yeah. And that's become my like kind of focus on developing recipes. Like I, I don't care about like I honestly I haven't done an entremet probably in like who knows how long and, and a glaze and all that crap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just like I th I started thinking about like hey I want to make stuff that I would be proud to serve in a shop if I opened up a shop tomorrow that I know would make money and people would come back for you know. Yeah. So that's kind of been obviously still with a very technical and food science approach etc. But um, but yeah, just, just yummy stuff that you could, you know, implement the next day in your production and, and make some money. Yeah. I, I love the word yummy. I mean, it's got to taste good. And then I sort of think we've lost uh, a little bit of that. Yeah. Social media. I don't get goosebumps on this part of the conversation. I, I know. I preach, man. It's uh, we've got a boutique in the, in, in the, the lobby of the hotel, Derek, you've been there and yeah. our goal is to keep it full. It's a beautiful boutique. We've got state-of-the-art equipment. We've got cases that were hand handmade, you know, custom-made, shipped in from Canada. We've got all kinds of fun, fancy stuff. But man, that chocolate chip cookie better be on point. And yeah. that's uh, one thing that people are coming in for is a good coffee yeah. and a cookie. And if if they're hanging out, they might get a petit gâteau and maybe a box of chocolates. But exactly, I love this. I love hearing what what you're saying right now. Uh, hospitality you know, taking care of people, making people happy with, with our experience and our, and yeah. our skills. And, and, you know, on, on that subject, it's funny now, like I'd rather almost when I, like, if I'm working on something taste wise, I'd almost rather give it to taste to somebody that isn't a pastry chef 
Yeah. Because the, the problem is with us, like we, we analyze, we critique, we, we overcomplicate crap. Um, if you just, if you give it to somebody that just enjoy, enjoys food and, and, and they smile and they say it's good or, or, or they're happy to eat it, you're, that's, you know what, you've done good. And that, yeah. That's kind of my reference point. Like, uh, you know, my wife, uh, she's French, she's, uh, she's, she, she has a big hospitality background. She knows good food. She's, she's worked front of the house, obviously in, in uh, Michelin restaurants. Uh, we've worked together. She's out of it now, but she knows good food. And she's like, she's not nice. Like when I give her stuff, like if she doesn't <laughs> like it, it's not like, Oh, I'm married. No, you're like, I'll give her something. And like, Ugh, what is this? What, why'd you give me this? This is bad. I'm like, Oh crap. That was, that sucks. <laughs> but I know, I, I know that if it's good, like she's, she's, you know, it's gonna, she's gonna be honest, not because she's, she's, we're married that, like the feedback will be honest. And if, and if I can give her something and, you know, it's not too sweet as nice seasoning, et cetera, it's yummy. She smiles. And the same thing, like, I, you know, random people that I'll work with, like, I'd rather give it to somebody that's not a chef and get their reaction and their perspective. Whereas like five years ago, I think all of us have gone through that where you give yeah. something to somebody that isn't an, a chef. And if they don't like it, you're like, what do you know? Yeah. Well, guess what? They're the ones that are going to pastry shops and restaurants day to day. So they do know they have to know because exactly. uh, we're not. <laughs> so. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, you're a you're a baller, Mr. Lada. You're you're fucking preaching the mighty word right now. Uh, <laughs> season, season your pastry. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking hell. Awesome, man. Shit. We gotta get together, guys. I think we've gotta first we gotta figure out how to get our computers to work and screens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I think I think we need to get together for a, a coffee or a a cocktail or something we'd love that yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough for up for sure we need to do it yeah go go, go to one of our houses uh and uh, and cook adam i think we should just visit you in colorado yeah come on in man come on in i've got the space it's a it's a cool place we love colorado yeah yeah well man uh Shit, I haven't talking to you. I haven't talked to you for years, and is is this isn't enough? You, you know, you, you look the same to me, man. You haven't uh, you haven't changed. <laughs> oh, great, great. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, you, no, you look good, man. I can't say anything about Derek because I can't see his face right yeah, now. Yeah, sorry, so. bro. Well, I sort of you sort of got a. Sorry. Wait, you still have the long hair? It's a gangster picture. Yeah, I still got the long hair. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I, I aspire to have a bun like yours. Nice. Well, oh, yeah. actually, the bun, the bun's kind of gone now. I don't do the bun too much. Oh, no. I like the bun, dude. You were rocking that. All right, man. Well, you know, we can go back to the bun. Just for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm, in, I'm in the in-between stage. I have like a little samurai pineapple. I need nice. to let it grow a little bit longer before I can get like a full bun. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Hey, man, I'm, um, that's probably about it, huh? That's about an hour, right? Yeah. Cool. Andre, man, that, it went was, by, that went fast. We don't want to. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, Got enough time. Let's catch up again soon. Yeah, let's do Absolutely, uh, guys. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, brother, I'm a big, big fan. Love what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Likewise, bro. Much respect to both of you guys. Always, uh, I've always respected what the two of you do. Thank you. Um, and yeah, this, brother. This Be safe. Awesome. Likewise, guys. Take care. Have a beautiful right, Sunday. Talk to you soon, man. See ya. Ciao. Bye. D Rock, you there? Yep. And that was good. That was fucking good. We're getting better. We are. It just, yeah, but yeah, that was that was awesome. That might be the first one. I don't I th- know. I think it should be just because he's got the book going now. Here, I'm going to shut off the recording here. <laughs>